Welcome to the Mindset for Runners podcast, helping you to access and unlock your true potential as an athlete. Hey, it's Rob. Welcome to this very special episode, an interview with Lauren Nash, the ex-fit dietitian. Lauren has helped me so much in the last probably six to eight months I've been working with Lauren, and she has dialed in my nutrition both for racing and overall in my life. And she so graciously um, agreed to come on the podcast and share a whole bunch of information, uh, whether you're running from 5K to 200 milers, she's going to unpack so much that you can take away and apply straight away. Stick around to the end because I just got off the phone with Lauren and she's offered a special um, bonus for the listeners of the podcast. So make sure you stick around right to the end of the podcast to hear Lauren's bonus. I'm going to get out of the way. Have a great listen to this episode. Take notes and most importantly, apply what you learn from the amazing Lauren Nash. All right, welcome to the podcast, Lauren Nash, the ex-fit dietitian. Thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, Rob, for having me on. It's always great to chat, and this time we get to talk even more about nutrition, so I'm very excited to, to be on, and thank you so much. Uh, well, I have benefited so much from what the work you've done with me over the past six months now, uh, maybe a bit more, and um, I have learned so much from someone who's been doing ultras now for 15 years. You have taught me more in the last six months than I've known in those 15 years. So I know how much people are going to benefit from this podcast. But before we start, can we learn a bit about you and your background and how you became interested in nutrition? Yeah, of course. No, thanks, Rob. And um, we'll probably get there. But I think even for me, right, being able to work with someone like yourself that has so much experience, I, I also gain a lot from the collaboration. So it goes both ways. And thank you for having me on your team. Um, but yeah, I guess a bit about me for potentially anyone that doesn't know who I am. Um, I am yeah, dietitian. And I guess what brought me to this as well, Rob, I don't even know if I've mentioned this to you, but I suppose I've done sport my whole life. I think we've spoken about it. I've done started off with um, artistic roller skating. Um, I did CrossFit for quite a few years. Um, so weightlifting, CrossFit. Um, and then the last few years, I've found myself doing triathlon. Um, training for Ironmans and um, I did my first marathon. So now I'd say I'm probably a bit more in the endurance sport scene, but ultimately I've done sport my whole life. And um, yeah, when I was a bit younger, I was going through skating. I was competing at Worlds, so the highest level that I could compete in in my sport. And I did go through a few years there where I had a, I wouldn't necessarily say it was a clinically diagnosed eating disorder, but I did have a very unhealthy relationship with food. And as a young athlete, that put me at risk of a lot of health complications. It also cost me a spot on the world team one year um, because I wasn't strong enough <laughs> to to get qualified. So I went through a big period in my own sporting life where I really struggled with nutrition. Um, and it wasn't actually until I worked, I worked with uh, probably two or three dietitians during that period because obviously my parents were quite concerned. Um, and it wasn't actually until I worked with a dietitian who specialized in my sport that I actually made changes and I actually saw results. So I suppose that's been the biggest thing that has translated to me being a sports dietitian is that my own experience, I was able to better relate and get a lot more from a dietitian who understood the needs of my sport. So I've always put it that the more sports I can do, the better I can relate to the people that I work with. And obviously, I've just always had a passion for sports. So I do it for myself as well. But ultimately, you know, finding myself in CrossFit, strength and conditioning sports, you know, ultra endurance sports, triathlon, all of those types of things, because I've done it myself, I can now relate a lot better to my clients and I can also be my own guinea pig so I'd say you know where I am now is a result of some positive things in terms of just my passion for sport but also I suppose um, a negative chapter in my life where I really struggled with my own health and you know 
being the person that I am now, hopefully I can prevent that from happening in others. It's such a beautiful story. And I, I'm going to have to pause on it here because to, to go through the pain that you did, um, I know so many people find their meaning in the darkest times. And yeah, if we can we start there? Because to, to know that yeah. in our sport, there, there is a lot of um, eating disorders, are a lot of eating disorders, people struggle with, as you said, their relationship to food. Could you maybe for the people out there who are maybe suffering in silence and maybe a bit of shame around that, could you speak to that from your perspective? Yeah, of course. And I think, unfortunately, you know, it is something that sometimes can be embarrassing or maybe you don't want to talk about it with other people or you don't want people to know because I think, you know, having an eating disorder like other things, it often occurs because it's something that you can control. So if, you know, there's some type of stress in life or potentially something's going wrong or you feel like, you know, you can't control something in your work life or your personal life, something that everyone can control is our food intake. So we typically find that people who do develop an eating disorder, it's not always the case, but they're typically trying to control something and what they're doing is controlling their food intake often to a point where, you know, it's a bad thing. They're not giving themselves enough food. Um, I'd like to think that where it has come in potentially uh, social awareness that it is a bit more of a spoken about topic but I also understand that it takes a lot to be able to talk to people about it so I'd say if you are kind of resonating with anything that we're talking about obviously talking to a friend or someone that you trust is a great starting point whether it's your run coach someone that you know like in your running club one of those buddies um or again you know reaching out to a psychologist um, a mindset coach a nutritionist or a dietitian um we work really closely with eating disorders so if you do feel lost you know no one would judge you and i think sometimes people think maybe dietitians are eating police it's going to be worse but what we all want for you is actually to have a healthy relationship with food so i think yeah start the conversation whether it's you know even using maybe something like um headspace um you know just if you want to speak anonymously that's always somewhere good otherwise yeah find someone that you can um i guess feel confident speaking to about it because yeah if it wasn't for that i suppose i would never have been able to to get past it unfortunately talking about it can be really tricky right but it also is the sometimes the first step forward that you need to recognizing it um you don't always i think realize things until you say them out loud so true and thanks for to break that shame and to break that secrecy i think is the first step and what I've learned in my work as a fiery with post-traumatic stress disorder and all of the critical incident stress we face is, as you say, it's becoming more and more openly discussed. And I think the more we can discuss these things, uh, but the first step is, as you said, to just tell somebody and, and might yeah. just be getting it, sharing that will, will take the load off. Um, and of course, Definitely. you would be a great person if anybody wanted to start by contacting you, I'm sure. Absolutely. Always here for a chat. Amazing. Um, so thanks for that. It's a really good place to start. Um, let's go to nutrition as a whole. How important yep. is it for runners as a whole in their like their day-to-day their -day nutrition and also in their running nutrition? Yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, some people really are so passionate about wanting to be, you know, on top of their nutrition. And then some people, I think, don't quite realise the benefits of it. And I suppose when we think about it in the context of sports, obviously nutrition is important for how much energy you've got, how quickly you can run a race, you know, if you hit the wall, of course, it's super important for that. But outside of running, chances are most of us still have a job. We still have a family. We need to show up in our non-running lives as well. So I think obviously nutrition is not only important for fueling your training, helping you to recover, but also just long-term health as well, right? Mental health as as well um, producing long-term conditions such as diabetes cardiovascular disease all of those things are still really important um, 
as well as kind of what we've just spoken about, the relationship that we have with food as well. Because I think when it comes to sports, you know, if you already have potentially not the best relationship with food and then you get into a sport like running that is really physically demanding, if your everyday nutrition isn't good, your running nutrition isn't going to be too much better. So I think sometimes taking a look at our diets as a whole is super important um, because you need to have energy to run. And once you've finished running, you also need energy to hang out with the kids or go to work as well. So I think it, it's um, they both one in the same in terms of it's not just about your running, but it's also about how you're fueling the rest of your days. And if I could talk from the work that you and I have done together, yeah, what you started, I think nutrition and diet is so independent for everybody. I want to really start there. I, I, I know it's really hard to give broad advice. So um, speaking of what you gave to me and what you continue to teach me is how important overall diet is for pre-race, intra-race, and then recovery. And we, you really showed me that over you know, the pathway that we took um, so that I made sure I was fueling my, my world properly, not just yeah. my running world. And that really made a difference for me, uh, understanding that I need to fuel after it, every run and before every run. I was one who would go out the door and do 20Ks on an empty stomach. You were so gentle with yeah. me. You taught me how to stop doing that. So can we start with someone out there who's maybe not an ultra runner, so maybe they're a 5K yeah. runner, park runner or you know 10K and start with that kind of um, uh, demographic of people who are training for that. What can mm -hmm. they do to to start to have a holistic view and also um, train to eat better for their running? Yeah, definitely. I think um, such a simple thing to do is kind of exactly what you said, right? You know, you'd go out for a 20K run and you wouldn't really need to eat anything. And I have this conversation with a lot of people and it's, you know, even sometimes on a shorter scale for beginners, like you've just mentioned, just because you can go and run 5Ks faster doesn't mean that you should. Same with you, just because you can go out and run 20Ks, because for you, that's a very short distance, doesn't mean that you necessarily should. So I would say that no matter how short your running session is, it's important to start with those behaviours early on so that you're forming good habits as your running career progresses, as your running distances progresses, that you're starting off strong. You know, whether you're just going out for a morning 5K run, you know, have a banana before training start the process of creating those habits, um, training your gut, because I'm sure we'll get to it. But once you do start running longer distances, if that's something that you're looking to, you can't just go from eating nothing to then eating 100 grams of carbohydrates at once. So if you're starting that process out sooner is, um, I think, always a bit better. So yeah, obviously, I think this most simple tip is always have something small before training, stay on top of your hydration, whether it's just some plain water, or maybe you want to go for a Gatorade, just again, creating those healthy habits and not just getting up and going for a run on an empty stomach. Like you said, when you come home from that run, have a nice recovery meal. Even if it was an easy run, you know what? We still want to promote those healthy behaviors, you know, have a, a nice complex, um, you know, uh, combination, sorry, of protein, some carbohydrates, some fat. We want to, don't want to neglect any type of thing. Um, I also think some advice probably for beginner runners is not getting caught up in um, trendy diets or fads or things that you see on social media because, if you're new to a sport, whether it's running, it's triathlon, it's CrossFit, you're probably going to Google things or search things or look to people for inspiration. And that is sometimes where we can go on a weird rabbit hole into some strange diet or topic that is actually not going to be helpful for your performance or your health. So I think as well, maybe if you are looking for information from the beginning, do it right from the beginning and see a qualified health professional, whether it's someone like myself, a dietitian, or if you're part of a run club, speak to the owner, speak to your coach, make sure that you're getting the right information early on. So again, right, it comes back to starting with healthy habits and starting with correct habits as well, because it's hard to undo bad behaviours, but it's easy to start off right and continue that on. 
so good. Such great advice. And, and back to that 5K, 10K runner, what, what will it give them? Say, say the park runner, who's just a mm -hmm. recreational park runner, what will yep. it do for their running enjoyment and maybe performance to, if they get up and have half a banana or a piece of toast before they go to park run instead of doing it on empty stomach? Definitely. I think even if I kind of think about myself for a moment, sometimes, you know, a 5k run, right, doesn't seem that long. But sometimes if I haven't done it with any food, I'm like, no, oh, this is such a drag. Whereas if I've just had something, it really does pick you up and give you so much more energy, which then makes the run a lot more enjoyable, a lot easier. But something as well that people will gain from just having something before training is, yes, it increases your energy during the run. And that's what we really want. But what, what it also does is it starts to kickstart your recovery for after the run. So if you're starting that run with some fuel in the tank, you've got some fuel to burn, right? Which means that our muscles are probably going to be pretty good by the end of that session. Whereas if you're starting that session with nothing in the tank and then you're training, you're then going into, I guess, a depleted state, which then can take your muscles a lot longer to try and recover because it's got no nutrients there to start that process. So, you know, going for a park run and having a banana beforehand is, yes, going to help your recovery during the session, but it's also going to support your recovery afterwards in terms of your energy levels, you know, potentially any cramps or niggles that you might get from doing an underfueled run. That's awesome. Such great advice because <laughs> I know that when people are starting to do that, it can be uncomfortable and it, it can feel yeah. unfamiliar to have something in your stomach as you're running. So yep. what do you say to those people? Of course, I think I used to be very, um, I know you said I was, I was gentle with you and I think, you know, that was great, right? But you also had a very high baseline. And I think I used to be, oh, it's okay if you don't want to eat before training. But now I think, you know what? No, get up five minutes earlier, just even five minutes and have something small. Um, I think I just made a post on my Instagram as well. If anyone wants to kind of reference it and get some hard examples, I did a post on kind of beginner level and advanced level pre-running or pre-training snacks. And what, what that was saying is, for example, if you're someone that finds it really hard to eat before a training session, it's okay. You don't have to get up and have a bowl of oats straight away. You could have a quarter of a banana. You could have, you know, 150 mils of juice or you could have one date, something really small. It's just, again, starting that behavior getting your body used to having something in the stomach. You know, you don't have to go zero to 100. We want to go zero to 10 and then 10 to 20. It's about gradually exposing your stomach to more food over time so that you feel comfortable. Um, so, yeah, if you are used to getting up training without anything because you feel uncomfortable, my advice to you would be maybe get up and just have an LCM bar or maybe have a quarter of a banana and see how you go. And then as you get more comfortable, you can slowly increase those amounts, but you don't have to start off with a gourmet three-quarts meal before you run. So good. And as you're talking, I'm learning it's the habits that you're creating. That, that, that's what yeah. really makes a change. And that's what our lives really are, that the sum total of our habits. And one thing I, I really got it out of working with you, you make it so simple, Lauren. So I, I was one who, who wouldn't have anything to eat before I went and I resisted it. And then I just started having a little bit, a little bit more, a little bit more. But where the difference came to me was I was doing doubles. So I'd be doing 10 yeah. in the morning and then 15 at night or 10 and then 20. And yeah the pre-run and the post-run fueling uh, i i know had a huge impact on me being able to do that double and really have a good efficiency on my overall training load so that if you're thinking why would i do that as lauren said the recovery starts before you run and that's yep. what really said
Definitely. And, you know, even if we think, um, obviously, Rob, you know, but I, I just did my first marathon and I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm a runner. And obviously I trained for it and I had a good baseline of fitness, but I can 100% say with confidence that I don't think I would have been able to recover as well as I did for my first marathon if it wasn't for how well I did my nutrition in terms of how much I ate beforehand, how much I prioritized it during. So I don't just say this because I read it in a textbook. I genuinely feel that eating before and during a run when they get longer has a significantly positive impact on how you recover after that session. And especially for someone like yourself or anyone who's listening, doing double training sessions. If you're starting your first session off with energy in the tank, perfect. Make sure you refill that tank before your second session, because if you start, you know, the day off, maybe at a medium energy tank, and then you don't necessarily fill it up, you're then starting that second session on a depleted tank, which can then lead to low energy injuries, uh, muscle cramps, all of those types of factors. So the fact that you were able to then, yeah, you know, prioritize your pre and post nutrition for both your morning and afternoon session was really awesome in my perspective. Fantastic. And just, just to reiterate what you said, so for those of you listening, Lauren is so dedicated to what she does that basically a huge, not all the component, but the big component of you doing that marathon was to be a better dietitian for your clients, right? Yeah, definitely. It's a good experience, I think, to be able to do it myself. Um, and like I said, you can read a lot in a textbook or, you know, see other people doing it. And I'm lucky that the people that I work with, um, you know, doing the same thing. And my boss actually signed me up for this marathon. It wasn't my choice, um, but, you know, I committed to it. Um, but yeah, definitely it was. And I think we spoke about, you know, really what is my why with this event? And a big part of it comes down to my personal experiences helped me to see, okay, what is good? What is hard? You know, it, it really does, I believe, make me a better dietitian because I've got not only, I guess, that, you know, I suppose the learning, but you've got the physical learning as well, which I think um, makes a big difference. And it really helps me as well to, to know the sport better and to, to be able to know my clients better. So good. What, what did you, Kishay, what you learned personally, like as a, I guess as a runner and as a dietitian in, yep. in that marathon, maybe speak to however you want, the intra fueling in the run or before or after, but what were your takeaways? Yeah, um, I think, I guess the biggest one is, you know, I'm sure many people can resonate with the fact that they never really saw themselves running 10K, let alone a marathon. And I can definitely say that for me. I've always loved sport, right? I've always done some form of exercise, but never thought I would even run a half marathon. So I suppose one of the biggest things is, you know, the mental power of, you know, once you commit to something, being able to follow through with it and the importance that your mind can have. But I suppose, again, you know, kind of coming from the fact that I really would not call myself a runner and I wouldn't say that I'm a great runner, but I do think, you know, doing the carbohydrate load before the marathon, having a good breakfast beforehand, you know, even though I was kind of embarrassed to rock up to the event with my vest, which I think I spoke to you about, I'm so glad that I did because I was able to stay on top of my fuel from the beginning to the end. I didn't hit a wall until around 37 Ks which again, I'd only run 32. So potentially, you know, I was in uncharted waters, but for me to be able to get that far into a run and feel great energy wise, I just thought, you know what, obviously physical training is the biggest component. Your mind obviously is a really big component, but nutrition is undeniably a really big um, predictor of, you know, performance and, and race outcomes. Amazing. I remember reading a study quite recently on uh, Western States 100 mile race and the reasons for the DNF there. And in one year, it was 23% was due to um, nutrition fail. And one this wow. other year, which is 2017, I believe, was 35% of DNFs for, um, was due to gastro um, problems, gastrointestinal, I can't even say it, problems. So wow. um, to, to know how important it is, is, is understated. Um, let's let's yeah. get to that. Let's, let's get yeah. to maybe longer runs like marathon, ultra running. What are the big mistakes you see runners 
even who have done it for many years making and if you can kind of lay them all out for us. Yeah, sure. I'd say um, we've probably spoken maybe about two of them and one of them is listening to kind of fad diets or trends or doing what your race partners are doing instead of yourself. I think getting caught up in what other people can do is a really big issue um, because obviously, especially when you get to kind of the top of your game, you're always looking for those little advantages, no matter how small they may be. If you're at that top level, you know, one second is going to be make or break. So I feel like you start to see people really reach out for these interesting pieces of information or tools um, which aren't really scientifically backed so that's one big one that I see another one is kind of what we mentioned to that mindset of oh I don't really need to feel before a 10k run I'm just going to go and get it done of course you don't you're very fit you know your baseline you know 10k run is nothing for you that is fantastic but again it's about those behaviors the habits using every training session as a practice session for your race um, so obviously prioritizing your your nutrition in training the same way that you should for a race I think is um, something that a lot of people once they start doing those bigger distances they stop prioritizing those shorter runs um, and then another thing that we see as well, I think with runners is actually eating too clean or eating too healthy. Um, and I know this seems like a silly problem to have. And, you know, there's definitely worse problems to have. But what this can do is sometimes if you're trying to eat too clean, it can actually be hard to eat enough carbohydrates or enough energy that you need in a day. You know, I think there's this notion that processed foods are bad. And um, obviously, yes, we don't want to be eating processed foods, breakfast, lunch and dinner. But sometimes this mentality can, uh, sorry, can um, implicate people's fueling because they don't believe that having, you know, a couple of lollies is a healthy option. You know, they'd rather maybe, I don't know, have a potato. And um, that's great. But the amount of volume that you have to get from a potato that you could get in maybe two lolly snakes is um, very different. So I think, yeah, trying to eat too clean or too healthy is actually a problem because it can then impact um, the amount of calories they're able to get in or I guess the types of foods that would be so much easier for them to have if they would just accept that sometimes having processed foods is actually the best way to go. So that's probably another big one um, I would see with runners. Yeah, amazing. So it's really is down to it. It's a, it's a fuel that you're putting into your, into your body. And, and are you looking at it from a, how many grams of carbs? Is that the way that you're kind of measuring? Yeah, I guess that's a big one, especially when we think about pre and intra training carbohydrates is the main factor. Um, you know, when you're doing those longer distances, multi-day kind of, you know, 10 plus hours, you know, some fat and some protein needs to come into it somewhere, definitely. But I'd say, yeah, when we think about maybe carbohydrates, you know, if you compare the efficiency of an awesome sauce gel, right, you're going to get 45 grams of carbs out of a really little sachet versus how much potato you'd have to eat to get that same amount. Sometimes, you know, the processed option is actually the smarter option and it's been processed to help your body digest it. Whereas, yes, the potato is a whole food approach. It's a lot healthier on paper. But for the purpose, you know, it's all about got to read the room. You know, what, what is appropriate here is not going to be appropriate there. Um, sometimes I think, yeah, trying to get the carbs in, in a processed way, so to speak, is going to be the best option. And again, it does come down to things like fats and carbohydrates, uh, protein as well. Sorry. What, what role does protein play in a longer race? Yeah, of course. So protein um, is responsible for helping us to kind of build muscle mass, um, maintain our cell, fu uh, cell function, those types of things. So we don't want to have too much protein breakdown, which is muscle breakdown, obviously. Um, but protein is also quite hard for the body to digest. So if, say, you're doing a stage race, you wouldn't necessarily be trying to get protein in between checkpoints, but potentially when you're stopping for a couple of minutes, you're able to get a little bit more of a solid food um, or maybe have some fluids in. Protein can be helpful to prevent muscle breakdown, support our lean muscle mass, and as well, it, it impacts our um, appetite as well. I know sometimes people struggle to have an appetite on these longer races, but there's only you know so many carbohydrates that you can have 
before you just really start to feel quite hungry because protein is the most satiating uh, macronutrient. So protein is also important to help regulate our appetite. Um, and again, the biggest one, probably trying to preserve muscle mass um, while we can and also kickstart recovery for after the race. Gotcha. Okay. That's interesting. Well, um, I know we're going to, I know we've said everyone's individual. I want to put that kind of blanket over what we're about to say. Yeah. For yep. the first, for those newbies doing the first 50K, stepping up to the first ultra or maybe the first 100K, can yep. we start with a generic kind of advice for them? Um, yeah. See what that takes us. Of course. Yeah. I, I like what you said. Obviously, everyone is different and, you know, can only provide general advice when we're talking to an audience. But I suppose some big things would be one, you know, whether your race is in one week or one year's time, start practicing now. Sooner is better rather than later. You want to train your gut like what we've spoken about. If you currently can't eat something before a morning run, you need to start now because if you're doing an ultra, obviously, that's going to be a lot of stress on the body. You need to be comfortable eating. So I suppose one big piece of advice is start eating before every training session if you can experiment with things that you like things that sit well things that don't work um with your intro intro run nutrition obviously again this is going to be very individual based on your preferences and your tolerance but chances are if you're doing those longer runs we'd want to be aiming for you know minimum 60 grams of carbohydrates per hour and uh, if you've got good tolerance kind of pushing up to that 100 to 120 grams of carbs per hour would be great um, fluid recommendations obviously are going to be very individual based on your sweat rate so it's kind of hard to I suppose give a, a I guess an estimate to an audience but something that you can do in training if you're interested is weigh yourself before and after a run and kind of see what your um, total change in body weight difference is and you we can kind of do a little bit of math there to work out an estimated fluid loss um, that's something that people could do in training um, I would say yeah just the biggest one really the biggest benefit is just train your nutrition in training like you do your run training so that by the time the race comes, you feel confident in not only the work that you've put in in your preparation, um, but also I think takes the stress away from nutrition because for me, nutrition is not, I don't have a care in the world because to me it's second nature, but the running side of things is, oh, wow, I've really got to put in the work to, to train for this event. Um, so I think, you know, taking, being able to take the stress away from the nutrition, especially for your first ultra is um really, I think, refreshing, um, knowing that you're rocking up to the race with things that work well in your stomach. You're not questioning if you're going to feel sick at, you know, 20 kilometers in or things like that. So my biggest piece of advice for anyone is just practice everything in training, your pre-nutrition, your intra-nutrition. And of course, as we spoke about, still making sure that your diet as a whole is um, nourishing enough to support your workload and your training load. That's good advice, Lauren. I, as you're talking, I'm thinking about pre-race anxiety that a lot of people have going into yeah. it's a really common, really common thing. Um, but the preparation that you talk about can take away a lot of that pre-race anxiety. So most of us have a training plan to say we're training for a marathon or an ultra, even a 10 K will have a training plan. That's either generic one or hopefully a, a specific one for you to get your best. Then we might, I'm hopefully advocating that everyone has a mindset plan. It could be as simple as, the words you're going to use and the mantras you're going to use and your goal setting and your visualization and, and your mindfulness and all that. That's another plan. But to have a nutrition plan as a third plan is so, is so critical to take away all of those things, decisions that you don't have to make in race day that you can make in advance. Now, Costa Cozzi is three weeks away. And I know there's, there's runners there who still don't know what they're going to be eating in Costa Cozzi. And, and for me, that, that would bring so much anxiety to not even know. I feel anxious just you saying that yeah yeah right but the, I, I guarantee you more than half the field won't have a nutrition plan locked away yeah. um 
and and so when you talk about having it planned and tried and training your gut, it is it is as important as your physical training. Um, what can what can we do to prevent gut problems in an ultra and then yep. deal with them if they do happen? Yeah, definitely a good point. And um, I like what you said about those three aspects, almost the physical training plan, a mindset plan and a nutrition plan, because I was lucky enough to have all the three of those for my marathon, thanks to you with the mindset corner. And um, honestly, it was it takes the stress away from an event. You know, it should be enjoyable, not stressful. So I really like that approach that you just came from. Um, but yeah, with regards to dealing with digestive issues, I, I'm aware that, you know, even the most professional, well-trained, you know, a hundred races under their belt, people can still have gut issues on the day. And unfortunately, some things are just unavoidable. But I strongly feel that 99% of the time, gut issues can be prevented in training for what we just mentioned, you know, trial your intra-training, trial your pre-training nutrition. You want to iron out any wrinkles you can in training because, you know, I think we even did it right. You, I think we changed your pre-run nutrition um, at one stage, right, the fiber type thing. So, yeah. you know, identifying if certain foods upset your stomach is is better to do in training. It's better to need to go to the toilet on a training run than it is in a proper run. So I think trial and error is a big one. So um, the timing of food before your run, the type of food before your run, um, how frequently during your run you're eating, are you more of a solid food person? Do you prefer liquids? Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you can have all stomach, uh, sorry, all solid foods and your buddies can only have liquids, Neither of you are wrong. You're just both listening to your bodies. So sometimes, again, trying to just really be in tune with what works well, what doesn't work well, reflecting is a big one. Um, and I also think another thing, obviously we don't all have unlimited money here to sign up to races because races are uh, expensive. But if you've never really done many proper races before, you don't know how your body's going to respond to the nerves, to the adrenaline. Um, those types of hormones can actually impact our gut function. So something that might also be helpful is just sign up for a local 10K race or a local half marathon just so that you get that, I guess, um, experience in a race setting where you've got nerves, you're kind of pressed for time um, because in training 100% of the time you might be able to go to the toilet uh, before you race have no issues during but then when a competition comes for some reason maybe you're constipated or got the other way going because our hormones are you know all around roller coaster um, I think that can be a really good tip as well um, otherwise things like what we spoke about is really reducing fiber intake before a long run is a big one um, trying to go to the toilet before you start a race is also a good one and then again having things prepared at checkpoints you know for example maybe you might find that you need some medication um, you might find that ginger works really well for you you might find that a coke or a sparkling water helps to settle your stomach um, you might find that if you're feeling sick you know or you wanted some plain salted chips so sometimes again right trying to figure these things out in training and have a bit of a, a plan b for if things do go wrong on the race day is important and if you didn't train that in training you'd have no idea so then you'd be unprepared on the race day but um yeah maybe we could even speak to some of your i guess experiences if you've had any uh Un unpleasant uh, gut issues on a race yeah it's amazing hearing you talk because so if you're wondering what it's like to work with a dietitian so my work with you lauren was so bespoke and and so individual that we did so so just to give you an, a day-to-day -day idea of what it's like we did a, a pre-training session form where i would weigh myself so we could then weigh myself afterwards to get the sweat rate yeah. what i ate in the morning what i ate in the run um, general how how I felt, what worked, what didn't work, and over those weeks and months, we refined all the foods that didn't work, and we tried all this new weird stuff that I'd never even tried. But what you did every time we spoke was you made it so simple. 
it was stuff I could get from Woolies. It was easy stuff like we tried medjool dates, um, crumpets with honey and cashew butter. You made it so simple and it took away this mystique around, you know, what nutrition and diet is. So that when I was doing events, it was easy. I knew exactly the carbohydrate um, grammage. Is that the right word for each thing? I was yeah, yep, let's go with it. <laughs> I made up, I made up, made up Ziploc bags. So I knew I was getting my 100 to 120 grams an hour. I had a plan A and a plan B. I knew my sweat rate and, and, and sodium loss. So was all that now i still made a mistake right i still had too much fiber before yeah. race across act and I, I got gut issues at 60k and and that you know that's something that's just the same meal i've been eating for so many years before a race because it in inverted commas worked yeah but sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't and you were able to put your finger straight on what it was and we've tidied that up as well so so that's the process that it's like you actually it's you go through everything and then you fill in the gaps of where you're wrong. So you had me eating more carbs in the morning before a run. Yep. So for example, for my post run, you had me doing sweet potato and rice. And that was my go-to um, post run carb low or carb what, replenishment. Yeah. Yep. And it was so easy. So I just go to the cupboard in the morning, grab what I needed and I'll be out the door um, with something in my mouth, you know, eating straight away. So, but yeah, and remember. it doesn't have to be complex, right? It would think, well, I think, you know, probably another mistake people make with nutrition is thinking it's so complex because of what we see on social media and all these diets and fancy things that you need to eat. But at the end of the day, all you need is the home brand section at supermarket and you'll be sorted. <laughs> <laughs> um, and speaking to that, you know, you did help me with selection of exactly like protein powder, which we got from Coles instead of mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and things like that. So at the end of the day, I've seen other nutritionists before and it was too complex for me. But what you did was you broke it down. But I knew in the end, I knew it was right for me because you wrote me meal plans. You wrote me um, race plans. So it was all done for me. And all I had to do was basically tell you what worked and tell you what didn't. And at the end of it, I walked away knowing exactly what I can and can't eat. And it was such a freeing feeling to not have to to worry about it. So, yeah. Thanks, Thanks. Rob. Yeah, I'm glad to, glad to hear as well. And kind of like I mentioned at the beginning, right, when you work with someone who's a newbie, it's almost like working with a blank canvas, right? You can kind of influence them and start from the beginning. But it's almost a little bit intimidating when you work with someone who's had experience because you never want to change things that have worked for them in the past. Um, but I'm glad that we were able to kind of capitalise on what you do that worked well, but then also identify areas that, you know what, we could actually probably improve on here. And you were so open to all of that. So again, that makes it my job easier when you're open to those types of things. And it really is just a trial and error um, type of approach, I think, which, you know, could be fun and not uh, not stressful. Um, but yeah, I think when it comes to running again, everyone's so individual that, you know, taking generic advice is not always the best way. I do think with um, sports, especially ultra endurance, whether it's Ironman, it's Ultramans, it's running, you know, you're not just exercising for 30 minutes. Nutrition plays a big role. So I think, yeah, getting that personalised advice is um, often the best way to go. And for someone who is looking for the longer stuff, you, you did touch on it before, but what, what are we looking at in terms of maintaining our body throughout that race? Like what, how much carbs, how, how much water intake? Can you go through that plan? Yeah, of course. So do you mean with, I suppose, like the longer distance things, like probably 100Ks plus? Yeah, 100K plus, yeah. Yeah. 100 miles, yeah. yeah. 
I think, um, I guess it all starts with preparation, right? So those two to three days leading up to it, you'd want to really increase your carbohydrate intake and do what we call a carbohydrate load. And I guess technically what that would look like is whatever your body weight is in kilograms multiplied by 10 grams. And that's how many carbohydrates you'd really want in a day. And um, I know that's quite a lot, right? Because if you're someone that potentially weighs, you know, 90 kilos, that's 900 grams of carbohydrates in a day, which probably scares a lot of people. But what that's going to do is set you up really well for that long race. Um, so that's obviously the first thing to do. Again, start some preparation. Um, and then the next thing to do is, you know, if we think about race morning, okay, have your breakfast that you've trialed in training, you know, maybe one and a half to two hours beforehand. And then even 30 minutes before the race starts, have what we call a little primer. So whether it's an extra gel, it's a banana, it's a couple of dates, just something really small to kind of spike that blood sugar again before the race starts. And I think we spoke about it, but it also kind of takes the stress away that first hour having to smash a gel at 20 minutes because you've just started a race. It's probably the last thing that you want to do. So I often find that having that little primer before the event starts just takes the stress off that first hour. Um, but again, if you are doing an event of that type of duration, I'd like to think your gut tolerance is pretty good. So trying to push for that 90 to 120 grams of carbs an hour would be good. Um, again, kind of coming back to if you're a solid food person or a liquid person, obviously you want to go to your strengths. But if you are, you know, trying to eat and trying to maintain your energy for really long periods of time, trying to get solid foods in at checkpoints where you can is really helpful. Obviously, if it makes you feel sick, you want to avoid it. But again, you want to build up that tolerance in training so that you've got a bit of substance and your body is, you know, doesn't get to a stage in the race where you're extremely starving or lacking energy. Um, again, with fluid, it's probably going to be more of an individual, I guess, approach. But, you know, say, for example, you know, you probably wouldn't want to be drinking any less than 500 mils an hour. If you were, I'd be pretty concerned. Um, but again, for most people um, exercising those types of events, you're looking closer to about a liter. Um and then again, kind of practicing in your individual sweat rates, then you've got to think about electrolytes. You know, are you getting um, electrolytes from your drinks? Are you taking salt tablets? Are you having salty foods? You've got to kind of think about these things. Um, if you're at a lower intensity, obviously you can think about fats. Um, for example, the speed nut gels, I know they're quite higher in fat compared to carbohydrates, but otherwise you really want to be, I guess, prioritizing those carbohydrates. And again, right at the end of it, you might have a low appetite. You're probably feeling pretty white, um, but trying to get in what you can is going to help kickstart that recovery so that you're not, you know, on the couch for a few days, maybe just one day. Um, but obviously, yeah, just kind of starting to, to eat in that refueling window is is great, whether it, all you can stomach is a can of Coke or I guess a chocolate milk at the end of the day, something is better than nothing. So trying to be consistent from before the race even starts to then again, as soon as that race ends, you're still prioritizing your intake. That's great overview, great overview. You mentioned salt. Can you talk yep. to salt in general diet for someone who's training, say maybe they're doing 50K to mm -hmm. plus a week? Yep. Uh, like, and then like how important it is to, to have extra salt in your diet? And then what role salt plays during the race, especially when it gets hot? Sure. So, yeah, I think, you know, if we think about general health, doctors and I guess government sites, they'll always say don't add too much salt because it's really bad for blood pressure. And that is 100% true. Uh, you don't want to have too much salt if you've potentially got pre-existing, you know, heart conditions or high blood pressure. Um, you know, if we're thinking about general population, we do need to have some guidelines on what is too much salt. But for people that are training a lot, sometimes it's actually encouraged to add things like salt or soy sauce or condiments to your meals to make sure that you are getting enough electrolytes during the day. Um, it's extremely important if you're listening to this and you identify yourself as a really heavy sweater or a really salty sweater. So say, for example, you finish a run, you're at the cafe having a coffee and uh, you look down and your pants 
are all white with salt, right? So that's obviously a really good indication that you're quite a salty sweater or potentially once it's dripping into your eyes, it's really stinging. Again, another indication that you're a very salty sweater. Um, and if you identify as one of those people, it's going to be even more important. So again, you know, definitely don't need to be too shy on the salt when it comes to everyday nutrition. Um, but then when it comes to training, obviously electrolytes, when we talk about electrolytes, they are things like salt, so sodium, potassium, magnesium, calcium, all of those types of things. Um, but the main one that we talk about typically is salt or sodium. Um, and what that does is it actually acts like a bit of a sponge in the body. So it helps our body to retain water. So say, for example, you know, you're weighing quite a lot, uh, potentially, you know, that's obviously a normal sign of health, right? But in a race, if you're peeing quite a lot, it's quite white. There's potentially, sorry, white, clear. Um, you probably, okay, this is maybe a bit of an indication that I'm not really retaining much fluid. So that's where electrolytes come in because they help the body to retain that fluid and therefore maintain that status of hydration for a lot longer. So I guess what's really important to think about, you know, to put it simply is when we sweat in a race, you're not only losing water, you're also losing these electrolytes. So you're losing sweat and you're losing potassium through the sweat. Um, so it's not just plain water. So if you're going to replace that sweat with just plain water, you're replacing the water that you've sweat out, but you're not replacing the salt and the potassium that's also leaving your body. So the reason that we encourage electrolytes, um, whether it's a salt tablet or it's things like um, a hydrolyte tablet or a train aid, something like that, is because you need to replace what you're losing. And if you don't, then we have a bit of an electrolyte imbalance in our body, which can lead to gut issues. In worst case scenario, I'm not sure if anyone's ever heard of hyponatremia, but your blood salt levels can get so low that in worst cases, it can cause a coma. Um, so it is really important to be aware of how much you sweat, if you're a salty sweater or not a salty sweater, um, because obviously not having enough salt can be really problematic, but then having too much salt can also be an issue. So I think coming from that, I guess, individual approach is important. And I wouldn't say have this milligrams but if you are interested obviously reach out and be happy to help um, but yeah salt is very important from obviously a health perspective but also training performance because when you're dehydrated it also impacts how we can regulate our temperature so if it's already a hot day and we're losing a lot of sweat the more sweat we lose if we're not properly replacing that we're going to get even worse at regulating our heat we're potentially going to overheat cramp pass out those types of things so everything kind of connects to each other right if you're sweating a lot and then not replacing it you're going to get even worse in the conditions obviously it can lead to headaches pain more fatigue it's not just about carbohydrates but dehydration can also come across as fatigue as well so um yeah it's not just about water intake but definitely salt as well great stuff we, you did you mentioned hyponatremia as being too little salt per like concentration in your body what happens if you have can you have too much salt? Like if you have too many salt tablets and too much electrolyte, what happens then? Yeah, you can. So I suppose a common thing that happens is it can actually make you feel quite nauseous or quite sick because when we're putting electrolytes in, ultimately the body always wants to maintain balance or homeostasis. So I know people listening to the podcast aren't going to be able to see my hands, but um, if say you've got the blood um, inside your body and then you've got the fluid that's coming into your body, right? Ultimately, you kind of want them to be the same so that they can travel across the blood um, barrier. You know, they call it osmolarity. Um, but if you're putting in something that's very salty, saltier than what's already in your um, blood, it causes the fluids to shift from your stomach, from sorry, from your gut into the blood and vice versa. And what this can do is it can make you feel quite sick, potentially lead to throwing up, having a poor appetite. So ultimately having too much salt coming in, if that is not the same as the balance, the salt balance that's already in your body, it can yet lead to things like even potentially cramps. Um, but the biggest thing is often feeling quite sick. Um, you might find that your urine is extremely concentrated because uh, you've got obviously too many electrolytes in the body. But yeah, I'd say one of the biggest uh, manifestations of it that we see in runners is um, is nausea, trying to overdo it a bit too much. Gotcha. That's really good.
Good. Okay. Um, where I wanted to when you mentioned vomiting, it, sometimes in ultras, vomiting can be quite normal for people. What, what do you yep. suggest if someone does um, get sick and vomit during an ultra? What, what should they do afterwards? Yeah, of course. And I suppose again, it probably comes down to. I guess a lot of different factors, but if we're thinking about general advice, something that you can do is if you know that there are things that you can take that settle your stomach, make sure you've got those on hand, whether it's, you know, ginger bears, it's Coke, it's sparkling water. Um, those types of things are good if it's going to help settle your stomach. That's one good thing. Another good thing I think, which is important to realize is sometimes people will throw up because they're getting to that maybe flavor fatigue or they're feeling really sick of gels, right? And I think at the end of the day, if the thought of having another gel or having another sip of tailwind is going to make you feel sick, sometimes just getting some plain water in is really important because obviously, yes, we want to try and maintain, for example, 100 grams of carbohydrates per hour. But if putting that next gel in is just going to make you vomit again, sometimes just taking it back and just sipping on some plain water is probably going to be more beneficial. Obviously, again, right, it comes down to the individual, how you can tolerate it, how severe it is as well. But, um, you know, I would say that if it gets to a point where you can only stomach liquids and not solids, again, you know, maybe skip the gels, skip the cliff bars, but make sure that you are staying on top of your hydration because when you're vomiting, you're losing body fluids. You're also going to upset that electrolyte balance again. So if you can stomach it, electrolytes and fluids are going to be the best way to go. But again, obviously, you know, you want to be gentle on your stomach. So whether it's potentially having some sort of medication in your aid in your um, checkpoint bag or you speak to the medic obviously that's going to depend on the severity but otherwise you know if in training or if you've experienced it before you know make sure that you're aware of what helps you um, what works for you but I would just say if you can still stomach fluids go for that don't try and force you know a jam sandwich down your mouth if it's going to make you feel sick because it's really important to prioritize those fluids yeah great advice great advice um I want to ask you about coke and yeah. caffeine and red yeah. bull and the use of caffeine yeah. in and I guess any distance races, but I'm thinking mm -hmm. more Ironman or, or ultra or even marathon. Can you talk talk to us about that? Yeah, sure. So yeah, caffeine is a I guess quite a popular performance enhancing supplement in terms of obviously it increases our perception of energy and it helps us to reduce our perception of effort. It um knocks out fatigue and things like that. But I think an important disclaimer is, you know, I think I'm quite open about it on social media, but caffeine as a whole doesn't necessarily give us energy. It creates energy, you know, it influences our central nervous system to feel less fatigued. So, you know, if we're thinking about Diet Coke or uh, sugar-free Red Bulls, yes, the caffeine is giving us mental energy but it's not giving us energy that we get from food. So I think the good way to look at caffeine is it's, you know, that mental pick me up, I suppose, which you definitely need in those longer races. Um, how much caffeine you have is going to be influenced by your tolerance. You know, some people, they can have one coffee and they will be buzzing all day, whereas other people can have a coffee right before they go to bed and it doesn't influence them at all. So obviously your individual tolerance is going to play into it. But I suppose from a kind of sports performance benefits um, perspective we typically recommend say two to three milligrams per kilogram of body weight as a dose um, and I think a can of coke has maybe 40 to 50 milligrams of caffeine I think a red bull has 80 milligrams of caffeine and then a no dose tablet has about 100 milligrams of caffeine so just in terms of three different perspectives um, I think the caffeine caffeinated morton gels have 100 milligrams of caffeine potentially so when you actually break down the caffeine doses versus that equation so whatever your weight is times two to three milligrams um it's not actually going to be i guess um effective if it doesn't really meet that dose but something to be mindful of is if you do overdo the caffeine it can then result in increased heart rate um which you probably don't want over a longer course you want to try and manage that can also impact our gut function if you are quite sensitive to caffeine um 
I personally am not a huge fan of Red Bull, but I do think that Coke is a good one um, because obviously it gives us a really great mixture of fluid, carbohydrates and caffeine in a more of a mild um, dose, I would say. Um, so I think Coke is a great one. It's a great pick me up. But in terms of dosing, obviously for very long course races, you're going to need to think about having caffeine at more consistent intervals. But if we're thinking about things like maybe a 50K, even a marathon um, or even a half Ironman, trying to reserve that caffeine for maybe the last third of the race is where you're going to get the most benefits because, you know, chances are you're starting to feel a little bit fatigued. But once you have that caffeine in the end of the race, it really picks you up to get you through the end. Whereas when you're doing the longer races, you know, we're thinking, say, 10 plus hours, you know, you're probably going to need it a little bit before the six hour mark. So then again, it's about thinking, okay, well, if I'm timing my caffeine appropriately so that I'm not letting it overload in the body, which can then result in things like shakiness, potentially um, needing to go to the toilet more frequently or increased heart rate as well. So it will come down to, I guess, what is best for you as the individual. Um, when it comes to shorter races, I always think that reserving it for the last part of the race is great. For example, end of a half you know Ironman potentially when you get off the bike that's when you want to go for some caffeine or maybe in a full marathon maybe potentially around the 30k mark you want to then have your caffeinated gels um, but yeah I sometimes think that reserving the caffeine for later can be great but with the longer course one you want to have it at more regular intervals but not smashing caffeine every single hour because it then can start to load up in the blood right interesting okay that's really cool I learned it so much um <laughs> going back over what you've said so you've taught us like so much in this sh short short time together but i really want to summarize the things that you've taught us so far which is train your gut so practice the different foods in training even for little runs like 5k in the morning just have something yeah. to try and if it hurts or if it feels weird just keep trying it or try something different it really is a you really are training the gut is exactly what you're doing have a plan for your race mm -hmm. and, and where you're going to get the nutrition if you're going to carry it if it's going to be at checkpoints um Think about overall nutrition and are you getting enough carbohydrates for, for pre-run, for inter-run and, and for recovery, but also just to give you energy to play with the kids and get through your workday. Um, yep. You've also taught us about weighing yourself before and after a run for sweat loss so you get an idea of how much you lose when it's hot versus a normal run. Um, simplistic ways to get your carbs in and really trying to get that minimum 60 carb 60 grams of carbs per hour but hopefully getting it up to around that 100 grams per hour for ultra runners um you've also taught us about gut problems how they start and what we can do if we get them and then the use of caffeine um, and salt i just want to make sure everybody gets how much information you've put together <laughs> um is there anything else that you haven't said that you would like to, to tell either yeah, short runners, short course runners or long course runners or newbies or veterans? Honestly, I feel like they're probably some pretty good basics to start with. I think obviously it's a lot of information just kind of briefly touched on in a short period of time. But I would say, yeah, one of the biggest benefits really just comes from fueling your training um, and starting that early and obviously coming into a race prepared. I think they're probably two of the biggest benefits that anyone could take away from this podcast. But I suppose another one, another piece of advice would just be if you are looking for nutrition information or you are looking for nutrition advice, I'm not saying that you have to come to me, but I'm just saying, please, I guess, assess where you're getting your information from because there is a lot of stuff out there and we're blessed to be in a world where we can, you know, have so much information at our fingertips. It's great, but too much of a good thing can sometimes be a bad thing. So I think just always check if you're taking information from a blog or from a social media account, just check, you know, their qualifications or what their background is. Um, you know, I would obviously say, yes, 
dietitians are going to be the highest standard of um, nutrition information. But obviously, there's a lot of good nutritionists out there as well. Um, Doctors, sports medicine, those types of things. But yeah, my biggest piece of advice would just be, you know, if you are looking legitimately for great information, make sure you check your sources, um, because you don't want it to then confuse you even more. That's really good. Um, One thing I wanted to add to that is place high importance on your nutrition. And don't, don't just discard it as another thing that you have to do in race day really start to prioritize it in your training as another plan to have. And I can't stress enough how, how much it will improve your enjoyment and your performance. Um, especially if you take the time to work with someone like Lauren, I highly recommend you work with her, um, just to get an overview of what, what you're doing, what foods can help you and what you may be not considering that could really benefit from you. And it's so simple. Like I said, everything that she did with me was a game changer and it's changed the way that I eat just in a day. Even in the last three months, I haven't run a lot. I still, I'm still eating the way that you taught me to, to maintain my energy levels uh, across it. And um, so I'm really grateful. Lauren, how can we find out, how can people find out about you? Where can I follow you? Yeah, of course. Thanks, Rob. And thanks for that. I, I'm so grateful for the work that we've done together. It's been awesome. And um, thanks for sharing your story because, yeah, hopefully it inspires a few other people to take their nutrition seriously because it is a, a huge part of training. Um, and, yeah, I'm grateful to be able to work with people like yourself. It makes my job so amazing, you know, getting to meet people like yourself and um, runners are just awesome in general. So it's so great. But, um, yeah, if anyone listening is on Instagram, you know, I post so much information on their free resources, ideas, tips, Um anything like that, you can always send me a message at any time. If you've got a question, my Instagram account is at the expert dietitian. I've got heaps of free info there. You can always message me through there. My email address is also there. You can click the link and send me an email directly. Um, otherwise it is Lauren at fightdietitian.com. And maybe we can add that in the, in the podcast bio, but I would say if you're on Instagram, that's going to be the best way to find me. Otherwise you can send me an email at that email address. And um, yeah, I would, be happy to answer any questions, guide you left, right. You know, if you need some information, I can give that to you. Um, but yeah, that's where you can find me. Amazing. Um, I want to also say you can try and work this stuff out yourself. Like I did for so many years, same with training programs. Uh, you know, you can either do it yourself or get a coach, but it, it's the same with this. You can either stumble your way through it uh, over the next three to five years and maybe you'll get a result. But if you, if you take the time to contact Lauren and to and to do it, you can shortcut that <laughs> six months. I wish I'd contacted you ten years ago mm-hmm. uh, because I would have learned all this stuff and made so many less mistakes and had much better performances and enjoyment. Thanks, Rob. I suppose obviously you've kind of alluded to it, but if you had to just pick one thing, what do you think that in your entire experience has been maybe the most beneficial tip or piece of advice with regards to nutrition that has helped or that you wish you knew 10 years ago, if you had to just pick one thing, what do you think it would be? I think understanding the amount of carbs in grams per hour that I need. And I was getting nowhere near that in the early days I was doing hundred milers on like if I would have a guess 10 to 20 grams of carbs, I wouldn't eat for hours. I would, I would try different things because as you said, I'd, read someone's blog and they, you know, they would try this butternut crunch biscuit. So I'd try those and they wouldn't work, but it'd take me a whole race to figure that out. So then I'd go yeah. back to the blog and I'd try um, Tailwind, or sorry, um, Hammer Perpetuum or something like that. And, and then I'd get sick of that after four or five hours, but I didn't have a plan B. So, and that was another hundred mile race done. 
you know, that's another six yeah. months of training. That's why I'm, I'm really passionate about people finding me because you can save them so many hours in wasted training, so much money in wasted race entry and travel just to, for your next race, you can hit the ground running just from working with Lauren for probably, you know, six to eight weeks, you could get everything dialed in and you'd be right and just have a couple of check-ins every year to make sure you're on the right path. So with that, contact Lauren, the ex-fit dietitian. I'll put all the stuff in the show notes. Um, thanks a million, Lauren. It's That's okay. Thanks so much info. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for having me on. And again, thanks for letting me be part of your running journey. I think uh, obviously, like I said, right, doing this type of sport is motivating because it makes me a better dietitian. But I think because of the people that I work with and the people that I get to surround myself with also inspire me to do these things. So it's such a reciprocal um, thing. Obviously, I'm, you know, hopefully benefiting the people that I work with, but I don't think anyone realizes how much of an impact they have on me. So I love to hear about everyone's races, events, training, pros, cons. It's awesome. So I'm really grateful to have come along for your journey and looking forward to 2024. Brilliant. Bring on. Good luck in the half Ironman in two and a half, three weeks time. And then Thank you. big ones for next year, which you can release when you're ready. <laughs> <laughs> Look forward to it. Hopefully I uh, get through this first one. <laughs> Good on you. Thanks so much, Lauren. Thanks, Rob. I hope you learned so much from Lauren in that episode. Every time I talk to her, I take away one or two things that I apply in my training and it really makes a difference. Lauren has this special talent to make complex information simple. And the things that she's helped me with have really made a difference, especially to my carbs per hour intake during ultras and pre-race and post-race fueling. Uh, I've really learned so much out of working with Lauren. Like I said, uh, Lauren called me after the interview and she said, Rob, I want to extend an offer of 15% off uh, any of your listeners who want to work with me. So whether you do a one-off session with Lauren or whether you choose to work with her um, over over the next few months leading up to your next race like I did, um, Lauren will give you 15% off her normal consultation fee. I highly recommend you do it. It will save you a lot of time in the long run and a lot of money. So all you need to do is mention that you came, you learned about her through this podcast or just mention my name and she'll give you 15% off. Thanks again to Lauren and thanks again to you for listening. I hope you got something that you can apply and I definitely recommend, highly recommend you reach out to Lauren to get some deeper advice and more personal advice. You won't regret it. See you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Mindset for Runners podcast. I hope you got something practical and useful out of this podcast or something inspiring to help you get out for your next run. If you have a question about Mindset for Runners or athletes in general, please email me at robmason.run at gmail.com and I'll answer your question on an upcoming podcast. If there's anybody you know who could benefit from the information I share in this podcast, please share it with them. See you next time.